Good evening and welcome back to our podcast called Candlelight Horror. This is Nikki. And I'm Stacy. And for today's podcast, we will be reading and sharing horror stories, some from online and some of our own personal stories. We'll be reading some SCP articles with a sprinkling of two-sentence horror stories. And at some point, we hope to share some of our listeners' stories, real or written. So light a candle, turn off the lights, get settled in. We hope you enjoy. So starting off tonight's podcast, I'll be reading a story posted by user 02321 from Reddit. If you're on the last bus for the night, there are some rules on how to survive it. My car got utterly wrecked. No saving it. Mashed up to bits. My sister had borrowed it and cheated death that day. Even after looking at the heap of scrap metal that was my car, I had no idea how she got out with only a few broken bones. She should have died. But that's my sister. She has the best luck. She married a good guy with a decent amount of money for them to live comfortably. The day of the accident, they had taken their car in to get the snow tire switched to all season ones. Her job wanted her to come in for an extra shift. She almost refused, but I lent her my car for the day. I was so thankful for having my sister, I didn't even think about how I now had to take the bus for work. Thankfully, my boss let me have the weekend off after seeing photos of the crash. He also had no idea how my sister lived. I took care of things while she was in the hospital and soon found out city transportation isn't reliable. It really isn't. It's terrible. It arrives late. Or too early. Or not at all. Sometimes it's so packed you need to stand for the entire ride. And it takes forever. A city bus could take over an hour to get to a location that was only a 10 minute drive away. I sometimes could walk faster than the bus, but I couldn't afford getting a taxi to and from work. I thought about borrowing a bike, but it was still cold. During the day it was fine, but I worked late into the night. Even just waiting for the last bus nearly froze me to death. Sure, it wasn't going to snow anymore, but I'm very sensitive to the cold. I just never adjusted to the climate after I moved further up north. So, no biking home. Aside from that, the bus wasn't all that bad. I could get some reading in. I couldn't read while driving. Well, you shouldn't. No. <laughs> That's how the accident. Oh, no. And most books I enjoyed didn't have audiobooks. But they're romance novels. Don't you meow at us. Get down all right. Part of podcasts. <laughs> Chatty Kathy. Chatty Kathy. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Don't you? That's how I found myself on the last bus home after a week of missing my car. My sister was doing fine, and I could finally relax a little after a stressful week of being late to work because of my new form of transportation and losing an hour of sleep each night riding home. Because it was so late, it was only myself and the driver for most of the ride. I still had half the ride to go when the bus stopped to pick someone up. My nose buried inside my latest trashy romance. You were right. <laughs> I didn't even look up to see who it was. Even with the empty bus, they sat in front of me. Odd, but I wasn't complaining. I took a quick glance up and noticed they were short and had bleached white hair. I looked at my watch and groaned at how it was so close to midnight. I lived close to the bus depot, so that was lucky. Not every route had a bus running so late. I got off the second to the last stop. The bus normally turned its lights off once I got off, so I knew it was out of service when I was within walking distance of home. In the last week, I had never seen anyone get on this late. I shrugged and went back to my book. Then another person got on, which is weird. I didn't think we had actually stopped, 
just paused at the red light, that I had seen kind bus drivers who picked people up if they tapped on the front door if the bus had stopped somewhere. This time I peeked up, but the person who got on was so tall they crossed the bus fast. They were dressed in black and had passed me before I got a good look at them. I started to turn my head for a discreet peek, but a voice in front of me made me stop. Don't look at it. The voice was soft, and it sounded like it belonged to a child. I stared at the person in front of me instead of the one who just passed behind. It? I asked slowly. May I sit beside you? It was an odd request, but if I was talking to a child, I didn't see why not. Without waiting for an answer, the small child in front of me got up from his seat and walked to sit next to me. I was guessing it was a boy, but it was hard to be sure of children. He was wearing gender-neutral clothing, just a big gray sweater, jeans, and I was shocked to see no shoes. Dripped his boys in shoes. <laughs> Why was he out so late? Where was his parents? Why was he missing his shoes? I had put the other person on the bus out of my mind as I looked over at the child. He finally raised his head to look at me, and under his long, wavy white hair, pink eyes stared at me. I had never seen someone with albino before. Wow. Aside from some photos, it was off-putting for a second, but I focused on the more important questions. What are you doing out so late? Do you have a guardian I can call? Are you hurt? And where are your shoes? It's where are your goddamn shoes? Each question made him look slightly more annoyed. He had a very neutral look, but his eyes narrowed just enough to make me stop and let him answer. In the past six months, Ten people have disappeared from this bus route. Four have been bus drivers. Are you aware of this? He was speaking so softly he was hard to hear, but got the idea. I had actually heard the stories in a way. I have overheard people at my job talking about some missing bus drivers on the last bus for the night. I've been so busy at work, I never stopped to chat. I heard there was a post going around about the rules to survive the last bus, but I again never cared enough to look it up. Aren't you too young to be scary story hunting? Is this for a video? You should really be in bed. I let out a sigh and put my book away in my bag. I was reaching for my cell phone to see how to report a missing child when he slouched in his seat. Fine. If you do not believe me, then look behind us at the figure standing at the back of the bus. It's your life after all. He sounded a little like he was pouting, and strangely, a little too mature for his face. I gave him a confused look. What on earth did the other passenger on the bus have anything to do with this weird conversation? The bus stopped for a red light again. The driver looked in a mirror, mounted at the front so he could see most of the bus. Since we were on an empty street, he felt safe enough to take his eyes off the road and look behind at us. Hey, Missy, who's your friend? <laughs> what? Is that bus driver going through puberty? Hey, Missy, who is your friend? And when did he get on? I don't remember him at all. The driver said back to me, looking genuinely confused over the boy's presence. That made me look from the driver to the boy a few times. He was still sulking. I gave his arm a very light poke to make sure he was really there, and that the both of us weren't sharing a hallucination. I don't know who he is. He got on a few stops ago, like a few minutes before midnight. The driver looked even more confused. The light had turned green, so he started the bus back up, just to pull off to the side of the street and out of the way, in case any cars came past. He then got out of his seat and started to walk towards us. I mean, he honestly looked like he had no memory of letting the albino boy on, and he was a child out in the middle of the night. It was a good idea to stop and try and figure out where he was going and why he was alone. Hey champ, what's your name? 
the man asked when he was a step or two away from us. The boy didn't look up at him, though. He only flickered his eyes over towards me. You can scream as much as you want, but do not look behind us. The boy's statement was so weird, no one answered him. The driver raised his head and finally seemed to look around the rest of the bus. Out of my sight, he spotted the other passenger, the tall figure dressed in black. I hadn't paid any attention. When did you get on? Do you... The driver's words were cut short. In a blur of motion, he was grabbed by long black arms and pulled back towards the rear of the bus so quickly, my brain didn't even realize what had happened. What I saw was impossible. The arms just had been far too long. Long black tubes with great clawed hands attached. Brain got whiplash. On reflex, I almost looked behind me. Then I remembered how the boy had warned me about looking. I forced my head forwards and I heard it. The kind bus driver who had just been worried about a small child was screaming and begging for his life. Screaming that stopped suddenly with a wet crunch I wish I had never heard. Once I smelled a metallic odor, I was certain was blood. I started to scream as well. I clutched the side of my head and hunched down in my seat, hoping it would keep me safe from those hands. I screamed and had to force myself to stop fearing they would make whatever just happened to the driver happen to myself. You can keep screaming. Once it's out of- Don't mind me. I was gonna. (laughs) You can keep screaming. Once it's out of your system, I can tell you how to stay alive. The boy's voice had changed. I still knew it was his, but it sounded much more confident and much more like an adult. Far different than moments ago. I blinked away tears and looked at him, my body shaking, but I had to trust him. What's going on? I pleaded. What's going on here? What's this? this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) What's going on? I pleaded, praying to get an answer. If the last bus stops at a crossroad at midnight, a dark figure may enter the bus and sit Mm -hmm. at the back. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll turn it off now. Hold on, let me turn this off too. My iPad. Okay, it should be quiet now. If it's not, it's not me, it's the ghosts. <laughs> if the last bus stops at a crossroad at midnight, a dark figure may enter the bus and sit at the back. Until it sits, you may look. But once it sits down, do not look at it. Do not turn your head, no matter what you hear, no matter anything else you experience. The moment you look, you become its target. The figure shall not leave until the bus finishes the route and is inside the depot. My entire body was screaming to just make a run for it. Even after the boy explained the situation, I just couldn't believe him. I wanted to just leave, but I could still smell the blood at the back of the bus. Still hunched over, I tried to think of a different way out. What are you talking about? And who even are you? I finally asked that question. I hadn't asked for his name yet. Odd as it should have been one of my first questions. Better late than never. You may call me Ellie. I am here to find out if this figure was the reason for the disappearances. I am not here to save you. I can only give you information. You must act and get yourself safely home. Now how am I going to do that? That thing killed the driver, I hissed, and tears started to come back. I forced them down, not wanting to look weak in front of the boy. I was the adult, and he was the calm one. But after what I had just seen, I couldn't be blamed for losing my cool for a few seconds. I know how to drive a bus. However, you need to be the one to do it. I'm I'm too short to reach the pedals. <laughs> you know, I probably couldn't drive a bus either. I have seen shorter and fatter bus drivers than you. Why you gotta bring weight into it? I didn't say nothing about weight. 
Have you seen? You fucking Rudolph's huh? All I'm saying is the fatter the leg, the harder it is the reach. <laughs> Under his white hair, I saw a flash of red on his cheeks. It faded as he straightened up and stood. Completely fearless, he walked towards the front of the bus, not looking back at me. He just stood right next to the driver's seat and waited for me to join him. It took everything I had to finally stand up. I walked over on shaking legs, clutching my bag. Every step, I was certain I was going to be grabbed and ripped apart by those dark hands. Somehow, though, I made it to the front. I closed my eyes so I didn't have to look in any of the mirrors and blindly stumbled around until I found my way into the driver's seat. I don't know if I can do this. Those mirrors, I might accidentally look at them. After I spoke, I heard a sound that can only be described as those worrisome mirrors being ripped down and tossed aside. See, that, that, I appreciate that. Just, like, getting shit done. Like, here's the problem. Here's the solution. You can't reach the pedal, but you can rip down a fucking mirror? That's brute strength. That's not, that's not the limitations of the physical body. Like, like, the length. A little boy in a gray hoodie and jeans wearing high heels is gonna ask some questions. I would not fucking question them. I would. I'd be like, what'd you choose? Yeah, but, like... I can't pull that shit off. Also, why is there a store selling children's stripper heels? You're asking a lot of questions. Yeah. I opened my eyes just enough to confirm that the mirrors were, in fact, torn off and gone from sight. I did not remove them to save you. They also bothered me. Understand? Ellie sounded suddenly very serious. I risked a dumbfounded side glance at him. He couldn't even reach the mirrors. How in the hell did he rip them off? See? I'm asking the real questions here. He had no plan to explain it to me. Can't I just leave? I asked, shaking and staring forward into the empty and dark road. No, you'll be unable to open the doors or windows. Until this bus finishes its route, you cannot leave. That was not at all good news. This is like how I narrate my own shit. Like, well, that's terrible news. <laughs> terrible. I had no choice but to learn how to drive a bus. After a crash course of how to start up the bus and how to drive, we were off. Very, very slowly off. There were no cars around, so we should be fine at a snail's pace until I got used to the hulking thing. Ellie was true to his word about knowing how to drive a city bus. With him beside me, I thought I was going to make it out alive. Only for a few minutes. Soon, it started to get cold. Ellie didn't look like he noticed. With his stone face, it was hard to tell if anything that was happening bothered him in the slightest. In a few seconds, the temperature dropped so low I could see puffs of my breath. With one arm, I pulled my work clothing from my bag and placed them over my lap to try to use them as a makeshift blanket. We slowly followed the route back to the bus depot. I had taken this route enough over the week I knew the way. Reading books. I mean, you absorb information. I am an idiot. <laughs> also... You are so far away from the mic. No, you be uncomfortable with me. Same. Get up here. We slowly followed the route back to the bus depot. I had taken this route enough over the week. I knew the way. I wanted to drive faster, but I was still not confident enough. My hands gripped the steering wheel so tightly my knuckles turned white. I shook in fear and from the cold. I almost couldn't take the cold. I wanted to give up even before the whispers came. Horrible whispers, floating around accusing me of being jealous of my sister, of wishing she had died. Whispers telling me to just look behind me, saying everything would be easier if I did. 
Tears started to flow down my face. If I wasn't going so slow and steady, I might have put us at risk of swerving and crashing. I jerked a little, but corrected it before hitting the curb. I was so glad for the road being empty. But after a few minutes, I couldn't take it and almost just stopped when Ellie's voice came from beside me. What are they saying? His voice was still as neutral as ever. Instead of sounding like he was asking about ghostly whispers tormenting me, he sounded like he was asking for the weather report. It looks bleak. They're saying I'm jealous of my sister. My teeth were chattering from the cold. I couldn't say much more. So? You can be jealous of her, and you can still love her, right? Say it back to the voices. That you can have both emotions. That you are only human, weak, and yet very strong. His words held some truth in them. A warmth came back to me. It was still cold, but I could bear it. I found I could suddenly push through the voices around me. I could focus on the road and follow the route. We were so close to the depot. If I just pushed through for a few more minutes, I would be fine. I could go home. I repeated those words in my head. I would be fine. I could, I could go home. Take a nap. I would be fine. I still love my sister. I would be fine. Even though I was driving faster, those last few minutes felt like an eternity. But we finally arrived at the depot. I panicked for a few seconds, but Ellie's told me where to go. Oddly enough, everything was unlocked. The Is large it Ellie or Elise? It's E L L Y. Ellie. Ally. Ally. Oh, that got deep. Oddly enough, everything was unlocked. The large garage door for the buses were open and dark. No one was around. I wondered if Ellie had anything to do with this. He was so clearly not human at that point. Child or not, he had to have something to do with the fact. Child or not, he had to have something to do with the fact. This is so well written, but missing like crucial words. And it's really late and I'm tired. So I'm like, how English, how speak. How do, what word. <laughs> Child or not, he had to have something to do with the fact that no one was ready to receive the last late bus. The moment I parked and shut the bus off, I let out the biggest sigh of relief. I was ready to leave. <laughs> I, let, I let out the biggest what is fart. <laughs> Scaredy farts. <laughs> that was actually what was propelling the bus. Just flatulence. Because <laughs> farts are funny. The moment I parked and shut the bus off, I let out the biggest sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> About the biggest what is fart. Of relief. <laughs> of relief. I was ready to leave. Beyond ready. Don't move yet. Let me look first. <laughs> I was a little annoyed at Ellie, but he was right. He had said that the dark figure would leave after the bus was in the depot, but it's best not to take risks. I looked sideways at him as he turned his head to look behind us. He stared and I couldn't read the expression on his face. He was about to look back at me to give the all clear, but those long dark claws came shooting out. In utter horror, I watched the claws rip through his shirt and into his stomach so hard they slammed his small body against the toll collector. Why did you pay? Into his stomach so hard they slammed his small body against the toll collector so hard it bent the metal. So hard. So hard. So hard. So hard. They just really wanted to emphasize it, you know? So hard. Also, hard candy was a mistake because I'm salivating so much. So hard. <laughs> I drip saliva into my vape when I try to inhale it. Disgusting. I love you. It's okay. Love me less if you knew that that was right before you took the vape from me. Marginally, but not enough to make a difference. Okay. 
So it was after. You fucking bit. It was after. I just wanted to know. It's for science. <clears throat> so hard. So hard. <laughs> In utter horror, I watched the claws rip through his shirt and into his stomach so hard, they slammed his small body against the toll collector that it bent the metal. So hard. So hard. <laughs> Ellie had a look of confusion. He didn't shout. All? All? All. <laughs> Ellie? <laughs> we are 32 goddamn minutes into this. We haven't even finished one goddamn story yet. We're doing so good. It's almost midnight, man. We fucked up. At least we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Depression's a bitch. We fucked up. Ellie had a look of confusion. He didn't shout or cry out in pain. I reached out my hand. No bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mama didn't raise no bitch. I'd have done it so much for shit out. You really are. I'm so sorry. Sorry, future me. He didn't shout or cry out in pain. I reached out my hand to grab him, but it was too slow. He was dragged out of sight into the back of the bus. And I wasn't having any of it. I had seen a photo the driver had put up of his family. This man had people waiting for him, and that creature took him away. And now it broke the rules and snatched Ellie. In my rage... All my fear disappeared, and I closed my eyes and stumbled off the driver's seat. I fumbled around and found one of the mirrors that had been ripped off. I grabbed it by the pole that had been attached to the bus. I was surprised by its weight, but I still lifted it off the ground and made my way to the back of the bus. Eyes still closed. The better to beat you with. Yes. I bumped into a lot of the seats and tripped over the two steps that led to the upper part of the bus. I honestly had no idea what I was going to do with a broken mirror. I honestly had no idea what I was going to do with a broken mirror. The driver had been killed seconds after he was grabbed. I had wasted so much time and feared Ellie was already gone. If that was the case, I would beat the dark figure with the hefty mirror I picked up. It was a dumb idea, but I was so pissed off I wasn't thinking clearly. Leave him alone, you piece of- I was screaming, but stopped short when I heard a calm voice. What are you doing? Fucking <laughs> coming to get you! It was Ellie's voice, but I still didn't dare open my eyes. It could be a trick. I debated on if I should just start swinging away, but my- Sorry, Ellie. <laughs> I debated on if I should just start swinging anyway, but my brave assault was stopped before it even started when the mirror was ripped from my hand. You can open your eyes now, it's fine. I shouldn't have trusted it, but I had to see if Ellie was alright. Slowly, I cracked open my eyes just enough to see the boy sitting on the back seat with an empty black trench coat besides him. His sweater had been torn, but I saw no blood. None on him, or even the driver's blood I had smelled before. What the hell? I snapped at him, feeling pretty angry and confused. When something moved and fluttered around under the trench coat, I moved back. I can't go into too many details. You know those rules I told you before? The figure broke them. Not only did it take bus drivers, making it impossible to give riders a chance, it tried to kill me after we pulled in. I assumed it would have killed you if I didn't demote it first. I need a whole lot of information, like what that thing is and what do you mean by demote? Are you... It's bots? You actually don't deserve any information. You should just be leaving, but I shall tell you a little. I am not its boss. I am its king. I you know, since you were going to beat it, the shit out of it with a mirror. With a mirror that you had trouble picking up, you weak-ass bitch. <laughs> I stifled a snicker. I want a Snickers bar. You don't have any. I know. So. I'm just letting you know that's what I want. Okay. 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 Ellie went on. 
This figure is a type of creature that must go by certain rules to take humans. The more humans it has, the stronger it gets. The stronger it is, the rules it goes by changes. If it finally gets strong enough, the final rule is just a human looking at it. But none really make it to that rank. They cheat, trying to get stronger, faster. It's my job to find these troublemakers and knock them down a few ranks. I guess that makes sense. So, I guess I'm lucky you came by to save me, huh? I did not save you. I gave you information. You drove the bus. You didn't look behind you. If you looked before I did, you would have been killed. You followed the rules this creature had been bound to. Ellie was giving me a hard look, but I could tell he was trying to act tough in front of the creature hiding under the trench coat. He was the one who offered to look first, but he was trying to act as if I was the one who made the choice. I didn't know what the big deal was, so what if he helped me out? But he was so adamant, I decided to drop it. I heard a noise behind me before I could really answer him and looked over to see that the bus back door had opened. When I looked back, only Ellie sat, but the black trench coat was gone. You should go home now and forget this entire thing. Ellie got up and started to leave the bus and I followed behind him. The bus depot was within walking distance of my place. I could easily get back home, but it would be impossible to forget what had happened. A man died. I saw something unnatural. And I sort of stole a bus for a few blocks. I'm not going to be arrested for anything, am I? No, you'll be fine. Just go home. Ellie was about to walk away from me, but I couldn't let him go just yet. I had a spare light jacket in my bag along with my work clothes. I stopped him and placed the jacket on his shoulders. It's cold out, and you got your sweater torn. You shouldn't be so kind to me. I used you as bait. Even if that was the case, I still forgave him. Because of him, I lived another night, no matter how much he wanted to deny it. He was very embarrassed after I gave him a big hug. He tolerated it, but soon was trying to struggle to get out of my arms. It's you. Yeah. It's like teenage you. But also, you have given a favor to a fae, and now he's mad because you owe, he owes you he a owes favor. He owes you a favor. I mean, to be fair, though, like, he saved your wife. Okay, cool, but you came back with the mirror, and he's like, we're tied again. He tolerated it, but soon was trying to struggle. Let me just read it to you as it's typed, Okay. He tolerated it, but soon was trying to struggling to get out of my arms. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. You're trying to struggling. I am struggling. <laughs> he tolerated it, but soon was trying to struggle to get out of my arms. Don't ever talk to me again. Or I'll have to give you a fucking favor, right? <laughs> you better hope I don't see you again. Not in this fucking neighborhood, piece of shit. <laughs> Got real passionate there. Mm -hmm. With that quick dismissal, I watched as he jogged across the street and away from me. I thought he was a good kid, but I had to agree. I never wanted to see him again. I didn't take the bus again. I spent a stupid amount on cab rides until I got a new car to drive to work. So one thing that I really liked about the story, and you had brought it up also, is one of the comments on the story is uh, by you-radiant. Um, the comment says, Ellie was in another story I read. Kids disappeared in the woods. And a park ranger went looking for them. Got trapped in a time distortion of sorts caused by a demon in the woods that was also breaking rules. He ran to Ellie and was saved. Awesome. And then another user, which is A underscore, very underscore, normal underscore, potato. Same. That's a mood. It's me. <laughs> their, their comment was, I was just about to say that. Thought Ellie was called the Silver King or something. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, because that means there's more than one story that we could potentially read for them. Yeah, it's like delving further into that, like, universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. Pretty freaking cool!
Okay. <laughs> okay. So our next story is going to be mine. Uh, this one's a real story from... They don't know who you are. Can't tell about my voice? Mom can't tell us by our voices. She sometimes. doesn't care. <laughs> the next story will be Nikki's story. It's a true story, and it's a creepy one. So when I was younger, um, like really young, like barely remember things that happened because you're basically not quite online yet. Um, we had just moved to Missouri and we were, I believe, renting the house. Um, yeah, we were renting a house like in a neighborhood. Well, the other complex or something. Yeah, it, it was in a neighborhood and I'm pretty sure it was while we were waiting for the finishing construction to be done for our new house. The one that we lived in for the creepy girl in my closet story. Yeah. Basically, we can't catch a fucking break. Um, So I remember we were getting our shit together. Like, I wasn't. Because I I was a child. Our parents were packing up for us. And um, I don't remember any other interactions of this nature. But um, I remember talking into my closet. And something obviously was talking back to me. I don't remember exactly what it said. I just remember my response to it was, I'm sorry, I can't come play in the closet. My mom will be mad. And so my mom happened to be walking past at this point, And she's like, honey, what are you doing? I'm talking to the thing in my closet. She's like, okay, you want to come help mommy pack? And I'm like, okay. And then I waved bye to whatever it was. And then um, our mom was in a real hurry to get out of the house after that. She says she doesn't remember, because I did ask her recently. She's like, oh yeah, I don't remember that happening. And I'm like, well, that's weird, because I do. And uh, again, we we weren't brought up particularly spiritual, but uh, it was kind of a taboo subject for our mom. I do remember we talked about this particular story before. Um, previously, you had said that you do remember talking with some kind of entity in your closet on a couple occasions. But I don't remember any of the other conversations besides this one. Well, I mean, it's impactful. So should all the other ones. You are literally talking to something in your closet. As a child, even even then you should be smart enough to know, hey, something that's not part of our our family should be living in our closet. Children are dumb. And I am no exception. Except for the, the fact that I didn't go into the closet with it. That would have been some paranormal bullshit. <laughs> that would have been like some missing persons bullshit. Are you kidding me? My mom would have been like, oh, let's get where 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 this little bitch go. <laughs> and I would have been in some weird shadow dimension or parallel dimension. Ruling it being, as their queen. Being, like adopted into some <laughs> dumb fucking little demon family who's like, this little spawn of Satan must be one of ours. <laughs> I wasn't that bad of a kid, but you no. know. No. My mom sure thought I was. There's a lot of salt in this episode. There really is. Like, what we should have done was put some salt in your closet. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know that at the time. But yeah, that's a, a fun tip for the night, folks. Um, if you're worried about things coming into your home, just sprinkle some salt. Or a lot of salt. And throw it in the general direction of the being. <laughs> or a can of soup. <laughs> soup for my family. <laughs> You want to read another story, or do you want to do a two-sentence horror story? Ooh, let's do a two-sentence horror story. All right, so next we will be, well, not we, Stacy, 
who loves Two Sets Horror Stories, will be reading some that she found that she found particularly scary or delightful. (laughs) I decided to kill off a few characters in the book I'm writing. It would definitely spice up my autobiography a little. (laughs) I know a couple people who are like that. What? Hideki. Somebody who would off people in his life? Absolutely off someone to make his life more interesting. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't do it with his other roommate. Oh no, my roommate disappeared. It's a shame. He's the motherfucker that would help them with the search party, knowing where he buried the fucking body. Oh yeah. Shout out to Hideki, you twisted motherfucker. We love you. Hopefully (laughs) at some point we'll have one of your stories on our episodes too. Oh hell yeah. Do you want me to read the other one or save it for later? Nah, fuck it. I can hear one year into the future. Today... The noise stopped. Spooky. It's the craving I end. No, it's it's, it's the ending Ending I crave. crave. Lexi has a bitch. All right, so we got a couple more SCPs again, because God forbid I make any of my own content. Um, Literally just told one of your own stories. Okay, but I didn't make that happen. That was the demon that made that happen. It still happened to you, idiot. It happened at me. Okay, it didn't happen to me because I wasn't dumb enough to go in the closet. You are dumb enough to go in the closet at that point. <clears throat> What's going on with my voice? <clears throat> you are absolutely dumb enough to go in the closet. Your fear of mom at that point of your life was bigger. No, she wasn't that scary to me yet. She still loved me. Ish. Mm. I was cute and I didn't talk back. Of course she loved me. You always talked back. No. Do, you remember, do you remember the fireplace? Okay, I didn't talk back. I just didn't listen. That's different. That's the same thing. No, it's not. Yes. Anyways, so we again have our randomized SCP list. Oh, the, num- the number generator? Yeah, the number generator. All right, so our SCP, our first one of tonight will be SCP-298. It is the bloody organ. It is... Is it like the bodily organ or a musical instrument organ? I'm sure it can be both if it really wanted to be, but I don't know yet. That's why we're going to read it. <laughs> It's object class safe. Special containment procedures SCP-298 is to remain disassembled at all times when experimentation is not being performed as per standard protocol. Each piece of SCP-298 has been stamped with an individualized serial number and radio transmitter. That seems weird. Due to SCP-298's effect on replacement parts, requests to replace original components of SCP-298 must receive special approval. Description. SCP-298 is a chamber organ of... Aha! Musical instrument. It is a musical instrument. Uh, is a chamber organ of indeterminate manufacture. It is believed to have been created sometime in the 1400s in the Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> As per all pipe organs created before 1450, it has no stop controls. It is unknown if SCP-298 has possessed the unexplained physical effects from playing it for the duration of its existence, or if an unknown event altered it at some time in the When played, SCP-298 induces... You really like reset my brain when you touched my butt. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) My bad. When played, SCP-298 induces the blood within human subjects to slowly expel itself from the subject's bodies while simultaneously assuming the consistency of fibrous matter, such as cellulose. Gross. 
SCP-298 has not been observed to affect the blood of subjects standing within a semicircular arc of 30 degrees with a radius of 2 meters behind the keyboard of the organ. While this effect is taking place, surviving subjects report being paralyzed by tremendous physical force. The effect of SCP-298 only lasts while the organ is being played. These effects prove fatal in most cases. I would say so. Right? (laughs) Correlated closely with the duration that SCP is played. Those affected by SCP-298 show symptoms of shock consistent with blood loss or hypertension. I wonder why they're showing symptoms of blood loss when they're losing blood. It's almost like they're losing blood. I wonder if it comes out of their butt. Well, they said their body, so I'm guessing... uh, Any orifice? Yeah, like pores. Butts. But also butts, and also ears, and also... Butts. You don't have to say butts twice. Three times. Okay, cool, 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 cool. It has been determined that the mechanism of effect of SCP-298 is purely sonic in nature, though in physical proximity to SCP-298 while it is being played. Sorry, I'm just imagining a blue hedgehog now. Sorry, I'm going to go fast. Though in physical proximity to SCP-298 while it is being played, subjects placed within a soundproof chamber were completely unaffected by the device. Experimentation with active noise control has not yet been able to completely neutralize the effect of SCP-298. The most advanced noise control systems have reduced the effects to limited hypertension, as well as feelings of intense pain and pressure supported by experimental subjects. I just need to know who is being experimented on, how much they're getting paid. <clears throat> or if they're getting paid. I bet they don't need to start a podcast. I don't know that they can start a podcast. I mean, hypertension's a bitch. Yes, yeah, blood loss. Blood transfusion. <laughs> High fidelity recordings of the tones emitted by SCP-298 do not replicate the effects of SCP-298. It appears that there is an additional sonic component of the SCP, which has not yet been discovered, which provides for the physical transformation of the blood. Wait, so the blood is transformed in the body? No, it, it leaks out of the body and it makes, it becomes like weirdly fibrous. What does it make though? Like, what is it making out of the blood? Like, if you play it long enough, does it make something? Examination of the physical, chemical, and elemental composition of the altered blood has yielded some data. The blood expelled from the body retains its ability to absorb oxygen. In an oxygen-deprived environment, the blood assumes a dark brown color. In a vacuum environment... The Hoover... Uh, Kirby... <laughs> like a vacuum chamber. <laughs> In a vacuum environment, the hemoglobin deox... Hemoglobin. Hemoglobin. <laughs> Don't read ahead. I'm not. I'm trying to figure out how to say this word. Which one? Deoxygenates. Yeah, deoxygenates. In a vacuum environment, the hemoglobin... In a vacuum environment, the hemoglobin deoxygenates... Deoxygenate... <laughs> Deoxygenates. Deoxygenates. The hemoglobin deoxygenates. 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 And assumes. <laughs> I'm have to cut all this out. And assumes a purple color. Upon introduction, upon introduction of sufficient oxygen, the color change to bright red is nearly instantaneous. These effects are entirely consistent with the chemical properties of normal blood. Blog. Blog. Further analytic chemistry has, for the most part, been able to determine that the altered blood is identical to regular blood in terms of its chemistry. 
However, the blood affected by SCP-298 is a completely different material. It possesses extraordinary elastic properties. Stress experiments, to date, have not yet reached the yield limit. None of the observed deformations of the altered blood material displays any degree of inelasticity. So it makes the it makes them into blood rubber bands? Something like that. Gross. It has required an extraordinary amount of force to cause the tendrils of altered blood material to break. The greatest successes in this area have been achieved by actions altering the chemical composition of the blood. Examples such as burning. Blood affected by SCP-298 will remain at a temperature of near 38 degrees Celsius or about 100 degrees Fahrenheit for the duration of the phenomenon. Phenomenon. Further changes to physical properties are inconsistent and appear to be somewhat related to the specific audible tone emitted by SCP-298. The changes are not permanent. If the organ has not been played for 47 seconds, any altered blood returns to a liquid state. Okay, so it doesn't stay that way. It depends on how long you play the song at all. Yeah. I'm assuming they can't last much longer than 48 seconds. Mm-hmm. The appearance that the altered blood takes once it expels itself from the body has been likened to leafless trees. Well, that answers our other question. I guess. Not fiberglass. Placing components of SCP-298 in other organs such that they become a working piece of the other organ will cause this organ to generate effects related to SCP-298, though not as dramatic as physical transformation. Affected organs have been able to generate spontaneous bleeding in test subjects as well as increased velocity in blood. This generally includes the players as well. Over time, some of the original components of SCP-298 have required maintenance and replacement. Replacement of individual components with suitable replications do not seem to affect the functioning of the mechanism as a whole. Though this effect is not immediately observed in the replacement parts, over time these parts acquire the ability to generate effects when played in organs otherwise unrelated to SCP-298. SCP-298 will affect blood drawn from humans before they are exposed to its effects so long as such blood is near human body temperature. As such, further research with human subjects is to be suspended. Further tests into the physical properties of the altered blood can be continued with blood harvested from volunteers. That's what the blood drives are for. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's all a conspiracy. <laughs> it all ties back to the SCP Foundation. And so is, de- is addenda different than addendum? I don't know. Addenda. 298A. The piece of SCP-298 are not to be destroyed. Further research into the extraphysical... Me- Further research into the extraphysical me- me- mechanism. I know. Okay. Further research into the extraphysical mechanism behind the sudden change in the physical properties of the blood of humans must be undertaken. The benefit of being able to replicate the mecha- <laughs> the benefit of being able to replicate the mechanism of the transformation of physical properties or common substances could revolutionize industry and construction. I don't want the blood house. That's weird. Is it? Addenda two nine eight B. No. The pending request to use the Foundation-sensitive interferometer on research with 298 has been denied. While I do not wish to denigrate the research wing of our group, 
I really think you guys need to glance at the bottom line of some of the things you request. 298 is just not important enough to warrant the expenses. And then it has a, I'm assuming a date of 05 and then redacted. 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 Same fucking person. Redacted. Redacted. Hoppetopple. Hamaglobin. I have another story here by user Red from Reddit. I am a morning grocery stalker at the grocery store. This means that I'm up at 2.30 a.m. in order to be at work at 4 a.m. It's a hellish schedule, and I never feel like I got enough sleep, but it's a wage. Something strange, possibly dangerous, happened recently. I'm hoping to send this out to as many people as I can before tomorrow morning. I'm going on vacation to Maryland tomorrow, so I won't be around when this happens, but I need people to know that something terrible might happen. It was three days ago, and it was a day like any other day at my store. We all show up at four, work on the chip aisle for about an hour, work on the frozen aisle for about another hour, and then go our separate ways to work on each individual aisle by ourselves. We do this because chips are bulky boxes and need to be off the ground before the store opens at seven. So we all work together on that. Then we all go to the frozen aisle because we don't want to stick one person in frozen all day and have their fingers fall off from frostbite. So we all work together on that too. The point that starts the story was after we had gotten done with frozen. Let it go, let it go. <laughs> After that, my coworkers have finished individual platform carts that hold around 80 boxes that we can all pull individually down each of the aisles and work them down. This was so that we can spread the workload and keep all of the boxes stacked together so that customers can have an easier time finding things without having boxes strewn all about over the ground. We each need to log on a timesheet what time we start our cart, how many boxes are on the cart, and what time we finish the cart. This was a micromanaging method to keep track of us and make sure we're not slacking on the job. So we finished up Frozen and we started doing our individual carts, which carried me to lunchtime. I got to my favorite aisle first, which is the juice and tea aisle. I love this aisle because everything perfectly slots into the spot it goes, especially the tea boxes. They have this mechanism that you push the boxes back into and it feeds out to the front. It's all very satisfying to me and I always make sure to grab this aisle before anyone else does. Something interesting about the right side of this aisle was how closed off the shelf space was. The other side of the aisle and the other aisles in the store are open behind them. This allows people to, albeit with some difficulty, gain access behind the shelf space in case something drops there. Could be things getting pushed off the back or someone not paying attention and a jar rolls off the back of the top shelf and smashes to the ground. That was not the case with this aisle, though. There was no way to access the area behind it, a thick black wall closing it off. This was mostly because of the coffee on this side of the aisle and the dairy on the next aisle over. The coffee stand on this side has multiple coffee dispensers mounted within wooden boxes. We also have electrical coffee grinders that customers can use with the beans from the dispensers to freshly grind the coffee at the store and then take home. Those were wired behind the shelf in such a way that customers couldn't just yank them off the shelf. On the other side of the shelf space was the start of a dairy cooler filled with vegan cheese, tofu, butter, and eggs. That closed off area behind the shelf was for insulating the space and keeping it cool for the dairy products. So those were the two reasons the shelf space had to be closed off with no way to access behind there. On the one hand, it was necessary because it was for the safety of the food and in some ways the customers themselves. However, something that dropped back there was not coming back out, which was somewhat how the story starts. I was working down the stock on that aisle, and I needed to climb up to the top stock shelf in order to put some overstock hot chocolate powder tins. While I was up there, I was stacking them two tins high. This isn't a good idea because the fence at the back of the top stock shelf was for keeping things from falling off the back, 
but because I was stacking them too high, the fence wouldn't protect if something fell off backwards. That is exactly what happened. I was putting up the last tin when I accidentally flung it over top. It smacked into another can and sent it plummeting backwards over the inaccessible maw of the shelf space. What should have been an easy box of eight cans turned to seven. I sighed and rolled my eyes, stuck the last tin up top, and climbed down off my stepladder. I knew I'd have to let someone know, and luckily for me, a manager of mine was on the same aisle when it happened. She wasn't exactly a manager, but she might as well have been with how much work he did. She was, at the time, scanning the out-of-stock items on the other side of the aisle. I hung my head and walked up to her. Hey, Leia, I groaned. It was too early for this, and I knew it. Morning, what's up? She queried, turning her attention from the shelf in front of her and onto me. Leia was a nice, chipper person. She stood shorter than me, maybe around 5'5". Five five. Although she focused on the shelf, she still smiled at me. She had curly, long black hair that ran to her shoulders, brown eyes, and rich, chestnut-colored skin. I continued. I, uh, sort of dropped something off the top of the shelf up there. It fell down behind the shelf. Leia was a very warm and happy person most of the time. It was surprising to see her turn from that personality to a more cold and terse person. She narrowed her eyes at me and asked pointedly, What did you drop? She was beginning to look up at the shelf space. She moved over to it before I responded and examined the shelf. I was surprised by the sudden turn in her personality. She went from that normal, kind-hearted warmth to a focused and cold response, almost as if there was a reason I shouldn't have dropped something there. My immediate response was one of worry, like I made her angry and wanted to apologize. I, I, uh, it was a can of the cocoa powder, like for hot chocolate. She scanned the shelf for a second, then turned back to me and smiled. Oh, that's all? She remarked. That's fine. I was just... Worry that some food had fallen back there. Make sure you don't drop food back there because we don't want to deal with something like rats or anything else. It's hard to get things out from back there. I nodded, confused by the sudden shift to and from different personalities. I shrugged it off, though. I was just happy not to have gotten in trouble from her. She kept smiling and walked back to where she was. Thanks for letting me know, though. I can shrink that out later. I continued on with my work, and we finished all the other cards. I was about an hour away from clocking out when I was working on downstocking that same aisle. Then I came to the same place the cocoa powder was, and I noticed something odd. I was on my stepladder grabbing some things to downstock when I noticed a tin of cocoa powder sitting separate from the rest. At first, I figured one might have fallen off the other ones and rolled down the shelf space, but when I counted them... Whoops, <laughs> easy. I can't believe you've done this. My spit is so thick right now. Gross. You're gross. But when I counted them... I counted eight. The eighth one was the one that fell off the shelf. I couldn't peer behind the shelf space, so there was no way to tell how it got back up at the top. I reached out and grabbed the cocoa powder and spun it in my hand. I noticed that someone had written something on the side in a permanent marker. Can't eat. The writing on the side... You're not trying hard enough. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking at first, like, cocoa powder, like baking powder, like the, the just chocolate powder. Mm -hmm. Like, that would be really gross. It'd be really bitter. Because there's no sweetness. But he said, they this, this person who wrote the story uh, said that it was for hot chocolate. Yeah. Which means you can't eat it. Uh, there's there's yeah. evaporated milk in it. No, I'm sorry. Dehydrated, like, milk powder. I would absolutely eat it. And sugar. Like, you could absolutely eat that. Your mouth is going to be dry as foot, but, like, it's basically powdered chocolate bars. The point is, whatever it is, is weak. <laughs> <laughs> the writing on the side was unsteady, shaky, almost like whoever wrote it was so weak when they did it. I popped open the lid and found the silver safety seal ripped open, and the cocoa powder inside seemed different. About half the tin was missing. I can't say I understood what the hell had happened here, or if this was maybe a prank Leia or someone she told. Can't eat? What could that have possibly meant? Obviously you can't eat the dry powder, but who would try? 
I set the can down and reached into my pocket for my phone. I can't look over the shelf space, but I can reach that far at least. I turned the flash on my phone camera and held it over the shelf and sent a picture down the back of the shelf. I saw the flash fire and brought my phone back over to me and looked at the picture that I got. At the bottom were various different items, some things that others must have dropped behind the shelf space. Some things were bags of coffee, tea bags, and other items that weren't edible. The strangest part was that anything that could open was empty. Breakfast bar wrappers, oatmeal cups, anything that was edible that was back there was ripped open and devoured. Crumbs were strewn all over the place. I slowly clambered down off the ladder and sat down on it. I studied this picture for some time. My gut reaction was towards something more sinister, but over time, I rationalized with myself that it was likely my coworkers who were eating these things and then hiding the wrappers behind the shelf space where they knew no one could find them. I was scared. If that was the case, then why was this cocoa powder tin? Cocoa powder. Powder. If that was the case, then why was this cocoa powder tin back up at the top? The hour passed and I left work. Unfortunately, my curiosity got the better of me and the story didn't end there. Yesterday, I was stocking cereal and I was holding two boxes of the wheat thin cereal that my store sells. I decided to test something. I held both of the boxes over the back of the shelf space and dropped them. I heard them plummet and hit the ground behind. I quickly reached for my phone and did the same thing as the day before. I snapped a quick picture and brought it back to look. Seeing what was at the bottom made my blood run cold. I saw long, black hair, pale skin, and an eye that looked up. God, that eye made me afraid. It looked like a young woman, but horrendously ashy and malnourished. She was grabbing the boxes of cereal and moving back towards the end of the shelf space. Someone was back there, but she didn't look natural, or even alive. I couldn't tell if she wore clothing because the hair on her head covered her body. All I could see was her bony, starved hands grabbing the boxes and her one piercing eye looking up at me. Thanks, Papa Cereal. Have you ever drank Bailey's from a shrew? <laughs> Why is this hook in my... and stuck in my face, you mother <laughs> I stuffed my phone back into my pocket and thought about what I should do. Could it be that someone was living back there? I didn't think it was possible. Maybe there was something strange happening and my phone caught something that wasn't there. So I climbed back up and took another picture. And the cereal boxes were gone. Today, after a restless night, countless thoughts of what I should do, who I should tell, if I even should. First thing I did in the morning was climb up to the top of the cereal shelf and see what happened. To my surprise, there was a piece of paper folded in half sitting at the top. I reached out and grabbed it, unfolded it, and saw the same scrolling script on this paper. Something fell out though. I grabbed it and looked to see that it was a sticker. One sticker on a bigger sheet of missing stickers. I recognized the sticker because it was the same one that we sold at a store. This was a blue smiley face sticker and it was just like the other generic stickers with smiley faces and with some of the little cartoon characters we had at our store. I could barely read the letter, but I struggled through it anyway. Thank you for the food. I have enough strength to escape. You helped me get out and I want to thank you. Tomorrow is the day. The people who put me here will pay. Anyone who ignored me all this time will pay. Not you. You will not pay. Tomorrow, wear the sticker on you. I will not discriminate. She. I do not know who she was or what she is going to do tomorrow, but tomorrow is the day and I am afraid. Like I said, I'm going to Maryland tomorrow for a vacation, so I gave the smiley face sticker to my closest co-worker and instructed that he wear it tomorrow without much other explanation. That doesn't mean that anyone else who knows where I work should suffer whatever she's going to do. So if you know me and you know where I work, don't come in tomorrow. I have a feeling something terrible is going to happen.
So this one was posted 16 days ago and 15 days ago, somebody posted would really like a follow up. Please keep us updated because I don't know if I should be rooting for her or not. So there isn't an update, but uh, we can assume something bad probably happened. We live in a garbage fire universe, so something terrible probably happened the next day. Just might not have been the grocery store. <laughs> okay, so you're wanting to do one more SCP, but you still have one more story, and I have a story. Yeah. So SCP story story. Okay. All right. So our next one is going to be an SCP article. This one is SCP-3420, Object Class Euclid, Special Containment Procedures. <laughs> the structure that now houses SCP-420 has been brought through various shell corporations and has been marked as a health hazard due to the hazardous level of asbestos. Oh, no. The structure has been deemed provisional site 531 and is to be staffed with no less than three individuals trained in hospice care. All civilians who enter provisional site 531 are to be treated with class C amnesti amnestics. I'm guessing it's like to make you forget, like amnesia. Oh. So amnestics, I think that's right. Are to be treated with class C amnestics and released. Do you want me to go for it real quick? No, I'm pretty sure that's it. SCP-3420-1 entities require no sustenance. All efforts to be ensured that SCP-3420-1 entities remain comfortable and do not attempt to leave SCP-3420. Application of fentanyl... Fentanyl? Yeah, fentanyl. Fentanyl. Fentanyl? No, I'm fucking with you. I think it's fentanyl. Application of fentanyl in doses of 200 mcg per hour administered through a spray to the nasal. Flonis. It's navel. That's weird. Wait, navel, navel cavity. Na isn't it nasal cavity? So navel is your belly button? Don't shoot things in my belly button. That's fucking weird. Do you think it's a typo? I think so. Ugh, I hope so. Administers through a spray to the navel. Possibly nasal. I think nasal. might be nasal. Nasal cavity. We hope have been shown to be effective in treating SCP-3420-1 entities. SCP-34-1 entities who request termination are to be treated with Class C amnestics and a raising of their fentanyl dosage. Description. SCP-3420 is a spatial anomaly located in what was formerly Apartment 420 of the Twin Oaks Apartments in Cleveland, Ohio. Surprise, that's not redacted. I was about to say, why isn't that redacted? All attempts to enter room 420 through any other method other than the door meet with failure. The window, the windows show what is believed to have been POI-6870's living quarters in a state of disarray. POI apparently is Jude Cryot, aka Blunt Fiend, aka The Roller, aka Papa Smoke. 29 or 20? <laughs> One of the three founders of GAW, Gamers Against Weed, which is hilarious. All objects within are unmoving and show no expected decay. SCP-3420 is comprised of 14 interconnected rooms, the layout of which changes every 7 hours and 37 minutes. Any objects that are between two or more rooms will be cut during this layout shift. Within each room is an instance of SCP-3420-1. 
Each room in SCP-3420 resembles a torture chamber, such as those that can be attributed to Catholicism during the Spanish Inquisition and in popular imagination. Rooms in SCP-3420 are furnished with various items of torture, including those that were never historically used, such as the choke pair. All items within SCP-3420 disappear if brought outside of the confines of the room in which they appear. SCP-3420-1 are humanoid entities that have the appearance of continually discharging static electricity in a rough human shape that is permanently being consumed by flames. Well, that's a bummer. This is believed to be an optical illusion, as SCP-3420-1 are solid and do not display any of the effects expected of their apparent composition. SCP-3420-1 are subject to a limited compulsion to use the instruments present within the SCP-3420 on themselves. Some masochist up in this bitch. Mm-hmm. This compulsion can be counteracted via persuasion. Roll a persuasion check. <laughs> SCP-3420-1 entities are capable of speech and communicate constant feeling of pain similar to burning or being electrocuted. Incident 3420-3. On 5 5 of 16, which well, isn't that redacted, right? They're S slacking. SCP 3420 1G requested termination. The question was ignored as per regulation. This resulted in SCP 3420 1G undergoing extreme distress beyond baseline levels of discomfort. In light of the effectiveness of fentanyl in treating their pain, Class C amnestics were authorized in an attempt to bring the entity to a more containable state. Treatment was effective, and Class C amnestics have been authorized in similar cases. And then there is a recovery log. This is a transcript of a call to 911 that first brought SCP-3420 to the Foundation's attention. The caller is believed to be POI-6870 Jude Triot. This call is made from a payphone outside the Twin Oaks apartment at 4.34 a.m. on 3.3.15. Why isn't that redacted? Operator, 911, emergency speaking. Mm -hmm. Jude, there's been a fuck up here. A lot of people are in pain. I'm really fucking sorry. Operator, what's your emergency, sir? Jude, okay, well, I'm going to say stuff that's going to make you want to hang up, but bear with me for a second, okay? Operator, okay. Jude, did you know that... Uh, World-renowned writer Stephen King was hit by a car. My name is Jude Creot. God, please don't hang up. I don't know if the police can help this kind of thing. Laughter for 30 seconds. I don't think. Damn. I don't think anybody can help. Operator. Sir, where are you? You're not making sense. Were you hit by a car? Jude. I sort of wish. Are we cool yet? Um, shit. Janitors. They don't code that, I bet. Shit. Damn it. Mr. Agent Weed. Mr. Literal Serial Killer is a joke about dead naming, and it's really funny. Operator. Sir, I'm sorry, I don't. Here the operator is disconnected, the call having been picked up by the Foundation AIATLS-12. Jude. Don't fucking hang up. What if I was dying? The contents of the call were judged to be corrected and an attempt to subdue Jude. An auditory cognito hazard was playing through the phone line in an attempt to keep him from fleeing the scene before the arrival of Foundation agents. Jude. If the amnestics don't work, why would that? Don't fuck with me. Cops then puts the lighter near the phone. I dreamt some people really in pain. More like night terror. I don't want them to die. Janitors. You all don't kill things, do you? Silence for 40 seconds. Jude. Wish I could say the same. Painkillers should work. I make them human enough. Coughs. I'm really sorry. I wish it had been a fire. Slider licks in the receiver. Coughing. A lighter flicks in the receiver. What did I say? You said a flighter licks. <laughs>
A lighter Thanks, bless you as a bitch. It's okay. A lighter flicks in the receiver, coughing. Jude. I did the thing back then, you know. You guys said it was fire. The Costa's gallery showing. Warehouse fire. That was you back then, wasn't it? Fourteen. Those calls came from somewhere, but you knew that. A lethal audio cognito hazard was played over the line. Jude. Stop it. Stop it when I'm talking. The sculptor sculpted, and I burned. People like me. I see why you want to lock us up sometimes. I really fucking do, buddy. And then he disconnects. I hated that. Well, you can edit it out, but at least we have the audio in there just in case. It was a, it was a bizarre transcript, mostly because like I tried doing transcription for a little bit, and that was just all over the fucking place. It really fucking was. <laughs> to be fair, sometimes people speak weird. Human speech is bizarre, and the human brain does weird things sometimes. <laughs> Go ahead and tell your story. Okay. So, I have a true story for you guys. I was a student at Stevens College in Columbia, Missouri for <laughs> a year. one and a half years, or was it just one and a half semesters? Because I fucked up hard and fast. I was there for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, I think it was a semester and a half. So I didn't even make it there a full year, which is a real bummer. But Stevens has been around, if I understand correctly, since before the Civil War. So it's been a women's college. They now accept men for their dance and theater programs, but everything else is women only. Yeah, it's Stevens Liberal Arts. We have a college named after a man, but only allow women to join. Men get so much, okay? You know what? That that's right. You spit in the man's face. <laughs> the patriarchy. But um, it's it's. <laughs> oh God. So it's been around for a long time. Some weird shit has happened there, and some of the weird shit happened to me. I can't remember the name of the dorm that I was in, but there's there was two that were connected via basement, and I was with a friend of mine. I was helping her do laundry because the laundry facilities were in the basement of the building. And there was a ping pong table down in the basement in a separate room that was adjacent to the room with all the laundry machines. And me and my friend were playing ping pong and I accidentally hit the ball and it didn't hit the table. It went, it, uh, what's the word I would use? If it, it veered off to the right. So let me try to describe like the physical layout here. You would go down the stairs and it opened up into this main room that had the ping pong table. And then to the right of that was a doorway with no door that had the washing and drying machines. And there was a hallway in that big main room that went um, further down, um, like I said, into the basement that uh, connected the two dorms together which was at a slight decline from where the ping pong table room was. So there's like a tiny slope that would go down into the hallway. So I hit the ball, it veered off and it bounced and then rolled down that little decline down the hallway. Um, the lights weren't on in the hallway. So I'm like, fuck that noise. I'm not going and getting a ball. We'll just finish up your laundry and then we'll, you know, we'll head out. And as we're talking, so I was... I was hanging on the doorway that, that connected the laundry and then this main room. And I heard a noise and I heard like basically the sound of a ping pong ball just bouncing. And then it rolled up the incline and then uh, stopped a couple feet away from me. 
And my friend saw my horrified face and she's like, you know what, what happened? I go, the ping pong, the ping pong, the ping pong, the ping pong ball rolled back into the room and she you know didn't believe me at first so i stepped back so she could then look and see that this ping pong ball was back in the room with us and it was then that i made like the connection you know that it would have had to roll up back into this room and as far as i could tell there was nobody in the hallway and you weren't gonna find out and i wasn't gonna gonna uh, investigate further which is a lie because I did investigate further, but that was with friends during the day, like the next day. It was a group of like five or six girls that we went and that's a whole other story. It's also a good story. It's also a good story, but it's a different story. But that this ping pong story is what started it all. So me and me and my friend just ran back upstairs. We were like, fuck, fuck it. We'll get laundry. your, yeah, fuck it. We're gonna get your laundry tomorrow morning. Uh, we shouldn't be down here by ourselves. Somebody trying to play games and I'm not about that life. So what if it really was just trying to play games and okay. just, just ran away from it? Not my not my problem. But like don't be spooky. Maybe you didn't think a ping ball ping pong ball was spooky. The ping pong ball isn't itself scary, but the circumstances in which it came back to us is spooky. What I'm hearing is it's just a good ping pong ball. What I'm hearing is your shit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. A lot of weird shit happened at Stevens. A couple weird things happened to me. This is one of them. Great, crazy history of Stevens. It's wild. And I failed, so it's fine. Good times. Good times. <laughs> Good time. Good time. Just one. Way to be creepy as fuck, Sam. Because <laughs> you're wearing a dark shirt, so I saw just a dark figure out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh no! <laughs> the ping pong bitch is back! <laughs> we only got one more thing, and then we're gonna. And then my intent was to fuck you guys. Cool, great job, fucking bitch. <laughs> Alright, so the last story of the night is mine. It's pretty short, but uh, it scared the piss out of me as, as a child, as most things do. Um, so I went to, and you'll find this to be a new theme, a, a, a theme. A recurring theme? You'll, you'll find this to be a recurring theme on some of the stories, but uh, I went to a school, it was Lillian Schumacher in Missouri. It was a brand new school, so shouldn't have been creepy as fuck, but it was. From the outside, it looks like a fucking prison. It really does. Prison for children. I mean, children are terrible. It's a school, so it's a prison. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is back in the day where you still had to ask permission to go to the bathroom and the teacher's like, I don't know, can you? Uh, yeah. But I had gone to the bathroom, you know, was washing my hands. And so for some fucking reason, and I, I'll never understand why people do this, where they're like, oh, it's a cool effect. It's not a cool effect. It's terrible. So on the bathroom walls on each side, and so it's, you walk in and there's a mirror to your right and you look to your left and there's a mirror on the other side. Um, so just a whole bunch of mirrors facing each other. Yes. I know, I, I've heard some people refer to it as like a witch's trap. So I guess at the time it was pretty accurate, but I was washing my hands and I see some movement out of the corner of my eye. I just assume another kid had come in. I wasn't really paying attention. So washing my hands, washing my hands, because, you know, you have to see the ABCs uh, to make sure you wash your hands properly. And this is pre-pandemic, so I'm mean, like, we're doing pretty good. We're doing great. This is why we aren't dead yet. <laughs> so I see some more movement. It almost looks like something's running. But, like, obviously I would have heard that because, you know, it's a small squeaky dessert. shoes on tile. tile. You're going to hear it. Um, you would have heard the door open to go into the bathroom. But it didn't have a door. So it's kind of like, you know how the entrances is Walmart? They're just like that corner that you go around. I hate those. Yeah. 
I'm sure, they've, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they've updated it now because, you know, they're worried about separating children as much as they can. Um, but so I look and like now I'm like actively looking. I'm like, well, that's that's strange. That's sus. Yeah, pretty <laughs> sus. I'm looking at the door and then I see movement again, but it's not coming from the door. It's coming from the mirror. And so like I, I just kind of stare at the mirror. So I'm in between basically this giant corridor of mirrors facing each other because it's that like multiple, like unlimited like infinity mirror. Yeah, it's like the infinity mirror effect where it's like never ending. And it looks like something is going in between the fucking mirrors. And it's I can't see any like distinguishing like characteristics. It just looks like this dark figure, like grayish shadow that's going in between them. Getting and then closer. Yeah, I say, well, and the thing is I was just watching it for a second. I'm like, what? What is that? Am I fucking going crazy? Watching it for probably like a good 20 seconds. My, my hands are just under the, the sink faucet. The water's just running. And then I realize that it's getting closer. So I booked the fuck out of there. I started using the disabled bathrooms for like the handicapped, the, the handicapped bathrooms yeah. after that because they don't have that mirror because fuck it. If I'm going to be taken in school, I'm going to go on my terms. It's not going to be in a school. And definitely I, not a school bathroom. Yeah, especially not a bathroom. Let's just talk about the fact bathrooms are supposed to be a safe place. It's sacred. Don't fuck with people in the bathroom. It's where you pee and it's where you poo and it's where you clean your teeth and your face and like take showers and just like relax and stuff. See, but that's that. See, we can't even say that though because in a lot of horror movies, you check like all the like the mirrors, they wipe it, and then suddenly there's someone behind them, or there's like that's what I'm saying. Let's, as a universe, collectively say, don't fuck with me in the bathroom. You go and catch these hands. I am more vicious when I am naked <laughs> and vulnerable than anything else. They are gonna have a cornered animal. Yes, a feral, naked, potentially wet animal. They look pathetic, but I will eat your face off. So moral of the story is don't attack me in the bathroom and you will get to keep your face and your life if I deem so fit. Well, if they don't attack you in the bathroom, they don't have to worry about their life being forfeit because they have respected the rules of the bathroom. There are rules and you must follow them or we will send the Silver King after you. That Ellie will come and fucking fuck you up. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks, Ellie. You were real homie. And that's a peace sign. You can't see it. Yep. Because it's a podcast. <laughs> but anyways, I think that's probably going to do it for tonight. Um, Did we have a sign off that we're supposed to say? Because we didn't. We kind of wanged well, it. Winged it. We wonged it. Last time. It was pretty good, though. I know, but I don't remember what we said. I don't remember what we said last time. I know we said something about the email. Oh. Do you want to pause? No. Because it's still new, we don't know if, like, there should be an outro or something, which I'm sure we'll figure that out later, but... But we haven't yet. <laughs> In the meantime, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want your content to be part of it, go ahead and send those stories to our email. Yes. Which is... CandlelightHorror at gmail.com. That's C-A-N-D-L-E-L-I-G-H-T-H-O-R-R-O-R at gmail.com. But that'll wrap it up for tonight. And if your candle's still lit, go ahead and blow that sucker out. And we will see you next time.